Welcome to the Brisbane Property Podcast with your hosts, Melinda and Scott Jennison from Streamline Property Buyers, your local Brisbane property specialists. Hi everyone and welcome back to sunny Brisbane with the Brisbane Property Podcast. Throw in the weather update nice and nice and early. Um, just for those people that are, are down south, obviously, it's, it's still pretty hot up here in Brisbane. The humidity is still here. Um, and we're still getting some very, very warm days in beautiful Brisbane. So welcome back, everyone. My name is Scott Jennison. I'm the Acquisitions Manager here at Streamline Property Buyers. You did get the weather update in very early. Yep. We haven't had the regular commentary around the weather for some time, Scott, and I know some of our listeners love the weather update, especially those that uh, bump into us at Saturday Inspections. And, and as Scott said, welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Brisbane Property Podcast. I'm Melinda Jennison, and I'm the Managing Director here at Streamline Property Buyers. Um, as always, we have prepared another really insightful episode for you today on the Brisbane property podcast today, we are looking at long-term capital growth in Brisbane. And, you know, property investing as an asset class, uh, there's so much noise in the media. There's so much noise from a lot of these new property investment advisors that talk about making sure that you're getting maximum uplift in the first you know, 12 months or what have you of owning an investment property. But let's not forget property investing is actually um, about long-term gains and property as an asset class is about um, long-term stability and price growth. So yes, there's going to be a lot of people that talk about um, the income that property can generate for you in the short term. Today's episode is not about income. Today's episode is about capital growth and long-term capital growth. And as always, we have collected some incredible data that we're going to be sharing with you about Brisbane, Brisbane suburbs, and what those suburbs that have experienced higher compounding capital growth over time have in common compared to those that have experienced lower compounding capital growth over time. So this is a groundbreaking um, episode. It's going to reveal some amazing information. And if you are a long-term podcast listener, I hope you find huge value in this information that we'll share. And I'm sure you can overlap some of the themes that we're talking about today with a lot of information that we've talked about previously in terms of identifying some, you know, quality high growth locations. Yeah, I think it's um it's something that our listeners obviously uh, understanding why you buy in certain areas and, and everyone talks about location. Uh, that's the one thing that everyone does talk about location. Um, and we also talk about time. So how long you want to be in the market, how long do you want to, how long does it take to, you know, benefit from the property market and things like that, the short-term investing. Uh, yeah. Well, compared to longer, longer term investing um, without giving my age away, I'm coming up to about 40 years um, since I've invested into my first property. Um, so understanding that long-term goal of what you have and setting goals for future and following a path and setting those strategies up, this podcast, um, what we're talk going to talk about now is quite, quite amazing when we go through some of the details and the numbers, um, some random suburbs, um, mm. I believe that have been picked. So we've gone through, uh, I believe there's, there's about 28 odd suburbs here that have randomly picked out. Um, the median value then of the properties back in December 1990 <laughs> and the median value of those um, areas, those locations in December 2023. Yeah, so that's a period of 33 years. Now, I know when we are working with property investors, we're always projecting out what a property 
could look like 30 years from now. That is all part of the service that we provide when we are partnering with property investors. It's so important that investors know the numbers. So it is so important that property investors understand what the numbers could look like 30 years from now, not just what they look like today or 12 months from now. Now, obviously, when investors take out a loan or uh, homeowners. Uh, most loans these days are for a 30-year time period. So we felt that that was also representative of a typical loan period for 30 years, providing there's been no restructure at any time throughout that 30-year period. So assuming you purchase a property today and 30 years from now, um, you've you've met all of those repayments associated with the loan structure that you've implemented or put in place, you would own that property outright. But what we're trying to talk about today is not just the amount that you've repaid based off the original purchase price, but the amount that the property may be worth 30 years from today. And although there is no guarantee that future performance will be the same as past performance, as qualified property investment advisors, we always have to look at past performance to get an indication of what are the growth drivers in a particular location. Why would we recommend purchasing a property in a particular suburb over another suburb? Because those higher growth suburbs will always have very similar things in common. And usually they're quite specific. Um, and those suburbs that have performed or underperformed compared to higher growth locations also usually have some things that are in common. So our job as property investment advisors um, is to guide our clients to those locations where there's going to be those higher growth drivers. So as Scott's pointed out, we've got um, some median values from 1990, looking at some of these median values for suburbs in Brisbane, I wish we'd bought 10 properties yeah. in some of these locations because uh, we wouldn't be working today if that was the case. But looking at just how much those properties have changed over time uh, really does highlight the, the power of patience in property investing. And I think that's one big thing that the current generation sometimes lacks, and that's patience. No one makes money instantly in property um, unless you take huge risk by moving into property development or manufacturing equity in property. Whereas there is a very simple way to ensure that you're protecting your future interests and building wealth for the future. And that is buy well in a quality location that's going to deliver the highest possible annual ongoing compounding capital growth. Because when you're getting compounding capital growth, over time, you get growth on growth, and that's where your wealth um, position really starts to expand over time. It's interesting when you said, and this is something for, for listeners to think about, when you just threw in there, um, I wish we'd bought 10 of these properties, for <laughs> example, and we wouldn't be working now. So if you look at it another way, had you bought one of these properties, you would have this much money. Mm. So that's what we're talking about when we're saying to buy the right location, the right type of property in the and make sure that you do it now because in 20, 30 years' time, I'm sure there's a lot of people that don't want to be working. So if you can actually make the most of it and let this property do the hard yards for you and, and grow in that capital growth side of things, then that's going to do the hard yards and there's, there's your retirement money. That That's the money that you've got then to, to play with and enjoy life. So if we're going to just um, have a look at some of those uh, suburbs in Brisbane that have come out um, on the top of the list. Yep. So we have not analysed every single suburb in Brisbane and we're not sharing this information as um, 
as information for these other highest growth locations over the last 30 years. That is not the purpose of this podcast. We have really just selected a few. So the suburbs that have actually come out with the highest compounding capital growth rate year on year all have similarities. And if we can just run through a few of those property, uh, sorry, those suburbs where we're going to then talk about what these suburbs do have in common. Yep. So if we, if we look at um, number one on our list, we've, and as we said, there's no winners and losers here, they're, they're all actually winners. Um, Balimba, for example, on, on the South side of, uh, of Brisbane, um, Brisbane, Balimba, sorry, back in 1990, in December 1990, uh, median value 111939 Who could have imagined that you could have bought a house a in Balimba for $111,000 back in December 1990? Um, as at December 2023, so a period of 33 years having passed by, the median value in Balimba um, was recorded at $2,030,000. Now, we don't just uh, calculate the difference between these two figures. Um, there are formulas that we can use to determine what is the actual compounding capital growth rate between these two dates to deliver this type of return. And uh, our calculations have determined the compounding growth rate within this suburb over a 33-year period was 8.9% per annum. 8.9% per annum compounding capital growth. Now that is well above uh, many other locations around Greater Brisbane over the same time period. So we're not going to talk about Greater Brisbane right now. In this podcast, we are focusing our discussions only on suburbs that are within the Brisbane City Council region uh, because we just simply don't have scope to cover um, areas outside. But um, hopefully with the information we share, we'll, we'll share some hints and tips about how to find those higher growth locations that are going to perform over the long term. So Belimba, definitely one of the, the highest growth locations when we're looking at that 33-year timeline and looking at the compounding rate. Now, I, I didn't I didn't run through this with Melinda at the start, but I'm actually going to mix it up a little bit here. So if we start at Belimba, and as I said, we've got about 28 properties. I'm actually going to jump right down to the bottom. So we've gone to to, to Belimba at the top, purchase price 111, uh, sorry, median value 111,939, median value 2023, 2030. 2 million and 30. 2 million and 30. <laughs> if I go down to Pullum Vale, so in 1990, 258,931. So more than double the value of a Belimba property yep. um, in December 1990. And the median value there of 1.8 million. So 1,800,000 with a compound growth of 5.87 compared to 8.9. And this is a really interesting discovery. So when we're looking at some of those higher growth locations uh, on an annual compounding growth rate, um, they were actually cheaper to buy back in December 1990, but they're more expensive today than the locations that have come in at the lower end of the list where they were actually more expensive 33 years ago to buy, but now the median values in the areas are less than the most expensive locations. So, so there's so, a reason for this. So let's jump back up the, then again underneath Belimba and we've got Tannerif. Median value, 137,213. So don't forget, Pullen Bar was 258,000, thereabouts. Median value in 2023 for Tannerif is 2,370,000 with a compounding capital growth of 8.74%. 
again, really strong growth indicators. And when you've got a compounding growth rate of 8.74% versus a compounding growth rate, um, you know, even 2% less, less than that, this is the difference, not in, in a few thousand dollars over 33 years, but this is the difference in hundreds of thousands of dollars over the period of 33 years. Location is what will determine the capital growth rate over the long term. And this is a critical piece of information that property investors must understand. Where you buy, the location of the land delivers the majority of the long-term capital growth because it is the thing that is scarce. Land is scarce. They're not making any more land. And we're going to talk a little bit more about this as we move through some of these other suburbs. So let's continue on the pattern. Keeping in mind, we've we've been in Bulimba at 111,000. I won't go into the smaller dollars. Um, Tenerife 137,000. We were at Pullen Vale for 258. The next one just above Pullen Vale is Burbank, and that's $290,006. In median value for 2023 is $2,100,000, and that's 6% compounding capital growth per annum. Again, so the buy in price back in 1990 uh, was a lot more expensive in these suburbs than it was in the locations that have delivered the higher compounding growth rate. Um, whereas the median value today in the higher compounding growth rate areas um, is higher than the median value in the lower compounding growth rate areas. So um, there's a trend that is starting to emerge. And then we can look at some of these suburbs and determine, well, what is different about the likes of Belimba and Tenerife versus the likes of Pullen Vale and Burbank? And hopefully that becomes more clear as we move through some of the other suburbs that are on this list. So if we, I'm going to throw a couple in here because I don't want people obviously getting bored with just hearing numbers everywhere. But if we jump back up, so we had Belimba, Tenerife, the next couple we're going to have are Hawthorne, Kalinga and Balmoral. So I'll, I'll group three in there together. And you're ranging to, from 120690 by um, median price 1990, $110,267, $113,561. So we're, we're still in that hundred early hundreds at a median price. The median value then we're ranging from $2,060,000, $1,820,000, $1,600,000. And they've all got that compacting growth compounding growth between, say, 8.32 and 8.7%. So again, what do these suburbs all have in common? Belimba, Tenerife, Hawthorne, Kalinga, Balmoral and Hendra. What are what do these suburbs all have in common? Because these are all of the suburbs that have higher compounding growth rates. Um, we've talked about a couple of suburbs that have had the lower compounding growth rates, including Pullenvale and, Pullenvale and Burbank. Um, let's have a look at another two on this list. Um, so Brookfield um, is on the list of one of the suburbs that's had lower compounding growth at 6.01% compounding per annum. Buy-in price originally, 253. Um, so back in 1990, 253,000. So higher than some of the high growth locations and current value, median value, 1.84. So um, again, lower end bells after 33 years, but higher entry price points. We're going to look at Upper Brookfield as well. So original uh, median value in 1990, 214,000. Now the median value is $1.76 million. And the ongoing compounding growth rate between those two time periods has been 6.39%. 
Again, let me stress the difference between a 6.39% compounding growth rate and a compounding growth rate over 8% over a 33-year period is significant. It is a huge difference in the ability to create wealth for the future. Can you distinguish or can you determine some of the differences between these locations yet? Oh, I, I look, I'm looking at it now, and if I had about 258, 260, say $300,000, and, and I bought two in sort of Belimba and Tenerife area, now I'd actually have a big smile on my face, I think, <laughs> compared to what I bought out in, um, as I just said, out in the areas in that other area, in those other areas. So when we're talking about out in those areas, we're then talking about location, mm. okay, where we are and what's available in those areas. So so if we can just talk about some of those top performing suburbs, um, and the list goes on, Belimba, Tenerife, Hawthorne, Kalinga, Balmoral, there's other suburbs in that that top group that still have compounding growth above 8%. They include Hendra, Wilston, Hamilton, Paddington, uh, West End. These are all suburbs in Brisbane that have outperformed most other suburbs. But what do they have in common? There's there's nothing to buy there. There's no land. <laughs> there so is no land. That's the other right. areas when you and, and that's what I led to when I said out. Um, so when we talk about areas like Pullen Vale, Burbank, Brookfield, those areas, we're we're talking bigger blocks of land. So generally a little bit more um country style living. Um also other estates will open up. So there's more land available in those areas. The areas that we talked about in those top sections, that they're generally land banked. So it's an area that there is, there's no land available. There's, they can't make any more land because there's nothing available. That They all have, pretty much all of them have houses on them unless you can knock them down, which again, uh, there's a lot of restrictions on that as well in Brisbane. So I think when we're actually looking at the performance of property and property price changes over the long term, and remember at the beginning of this podcast, we talked about the importance of understanding that asset selection for most property investors is uh, for long-term capital gains. For some, they may look to target income. That's not the purpose of this podcast. So for those that are looking to build wealth and uh, contribute to their future retirement um pot of gold, if you like. Um, Long-term capital growth is what the primary target is. Now, all of those suburbs, as Scott's rightly pointed out, that are in the highest um, compounding growth suburbs of Brisbane, when we look back at the last 33 years, are in locations where there is a scarcity of land. Whereas those that have experienced lower compounding growth over the same period of time, not only were they more expensive to buy into up front, but there's less scarcity of land in and around those regions. However, I believe there's also lifestyle uh, changes that have um, caused a change in the way we live um, to that have come into effect over the same period of time. Um, obviously, as a Brisbane local um, and 33 years ago, I was well and truly, um, you know, embedded in, in the Brisbane lifestyle. I knew Brisbane. Um, I understood Brisbane. We drove around a lot in Brisbane as kids because we were heavily involved in in sport. So every weekend we were out driving to different playing fields. Um, both my brothers, my dad, myself, we were all hockey players. So we spent a lot of time in the car driving around Brisbane. And I remember driving from the suburbs, outer parts of Brisbane, into the inner city precincts. And the inner city precincts at that time were all very 
um, established old Queenslanders um, and a lot of the older generation still occupied those homes. And I used to think, oh, this is where all the poor people live. And that was a true thought process that went through my head. However, in reality, what was happening in Brisbane, because there was really no um, traffic congestion, our population wasn't um, significant in that we had to uh, live in a way that there was a requirement for high density living. So people valued the ability to be able to move further out and build a new home. And throughout the 70s, there was a big push in um, in building some new properties out in the suburbs. And it was easy to jump in the car and drive into the city or into the employment hubs for uh, for the jobs that that people worked in. And that's certainly what my dad did. He jumped in the car every day. He drove to work. He drove back out to the suburbs in the evening. And, you know, that's where we lived comfortably as a family. However, a lot's changed over the last 33 years in the way we live and the way we commute. But certainly the population surge in Brisbane has also changed significantly over that time. Brisbane's not a country town anymore. You can't jump in the car and and drive for 20 minutes and expect to to get from you know half an hour of or rather 20 or 30 kilometers north of the CBD into the city you just can't do it because of traffic congestion and this is a big thing that that a lot of people miss these days it's it's so important that people understand the way we live has changed and therefore the properties that have become more desirable over time are those that are more conveniently located in and around the employment hubs. And we've seen a huge generational shift. That's what's happened in Brisbane. We've seen a generational shift where people have now valued their time or they put more value on their time. And they're now seeing more value in being more conveniently located. We've seen a lot of the older generation either sell out um, of the, the older Queenslander homes. The younger generation have moved in and they have spent money renovating, improving, and updating a lot of those character Queenslander homes. And of course, some of these locations that are now hitting the list in terms of the highest compounding capital growth rate are the areas that people have migrated to from outer areas into the inner areas. They're on high incomes. They're, they're working in professional jobs. Um, they're building a they're building their lifestyle around the local community. Their kids are going to the local schools, and it has become a desirable location. So this is how quickly um, these generational shifts can really change uh, what goes on in a property market. And Brisbane has been, you know, several. Uh, steps behind Sydney and Melbourne simply because we haven't had the population growth until recent years to justify the requirement for living close to where we work. Now, keep in mind when we talk about this Brisbane and the growth, and obviously from 1990, people probably look at things and wonder how things have changed, as, as Melinda mentioned, but um, Brisbane is changing and we have got the Olympics coming. So with 57, 58%, I think it is, um, of the main venues in that five-kilometre ring of the CBD, these locations then become more and more desirable because people want to be closer to the city and closer to the action. Um, if we did a podcast a, a while ago, and I probably should have had a look at this before we came on, on air, but um, with Peter um, Calusius, who, who does a lot of this research, and it was, it's, I love having a chat to Peter, it's always entertaining, um, but it, it talks about gentrification. And that is exactly what Melinda's talking about. These areas where people, then move into these areas and these these popular suburbs close to the city 
have gentrified. They've they've got the craft breweries, they've got the yoga studios, they've got all these things, and people have money to spend on the properties. And that's why these these properties become desirable and people want that lifestyle and they want to live in those areas. So if look, if you haven't heard that podcast, have a look for it. I, I should have probably grabbed the number um, where we have have a chat to Peter. It is fantastic and it is a good listen. He's always great to to talk to and listen to. We'll have to get him back on the show again one day. Um, but that's a, that's the sort of information that we talk we look for as well. Looking at areas that are gentrifying, what's changing, how is it going to change? Not what it looks like just now, but what it's going to look like in the future. And also of this information that we had here not just what you purchase for now, but what's it going to be worth in the future. You know, I, I'm yep. I'm completely blown away with the information I look here and I see that the the median price, you know, from as I said, from Belimba to to Pullen Vale, it's it's over double the price. Um, but yet, you know, the compounding growth is, is so much stronger in those areas. And it's all about the location where you buy. And and I think that's the the whole intent of the message for this particular podcast. Where you buy matters so much in terms of what the long-term performance of an asset is likely to be. And you cannot assume that the same principles apply to every location either because every location will have its own nuances in terms of local supply and demand metrics. And that is why relying on data alone for making property investing decisions, in my opinion, is a big mistake. You must overlay everything that the data is telling you with that local knowledge, because you must understand where the future supply pipelines are coming from. If you're buying into an area where there's a lot of future supply coming, then that's going to cause an imbalance in the supply and demand metrics. Remember, Capital growth comes when supply is low or limited and demand is high. So you must not just focus everything on the demand side drivers. You've also got to consider, you know, how is the supply in this location constrained? Is there the ability to create more homes in this location, whether that's vertical homes in higher density or whether that's land subdivision? That must become part of your uh, selection criteria for determining a high growth location. There are also demand side factors that you must consider when selecting a high growth location. Um, and that is something that obviously we do share with all of our clients, because when you have access to a lot of this historical data, um, and, and also when you have a research background like myself, you can find correlations, um, which are relationships between uh, things that some suburbs have and that other suburbs do not have. And you can relate what those um, common factors are to the performance over the long term in terms of property price growth. And then you can pro provide or, or obtain a scientific um, or an objective assessment criteria for selecting a high performance asset. So if you're looking to purchase property and you're just taking a random approach based on the budget that you're working with and buying anywhere within uh, Brisbane where you fit that budget, that can be a big mistake because I think what we've identified here is that some locations will outperform others over the long term. And if you're really wanting to maximize the compounding growth returns, it's a really good idea to understand what makes a high growth location, what fundamentals you must look for, how do you assess both supply and demand side drivers, because that's ultimately going to give you the best returns over the long term. Now, a lot of people obviously don't want to pay for that expert advice upfront and obviously partnering with a team like ours where you get that expert advice 
it does cost money up front. Um, however, I think that we've pointed out today the benefit of getting expert advice if you don't know how to find this information. Because when we're talking about differences in different locations where you can achieve over 8% compounding growth per annum versus under 6% compounding growth per annum, and that's purely driven by the location that you select, that's going to make a huge difference. And I'm not talking a few thousand dollars. I'm talking hundreds of thousands of dollars over the long term. So hopefully that's been, you know, given you an understanding of the complexities around selecting the best asset that your money will buy. Yeah. And also the time. I, I know I talked about location being critical, but also the time that you are investing. Don't don't be impatient. Don't don't just want to buy something and make quick money. Um, you know, anyone that bought property two, three years ago has probably made some money or it's gone up in value. Um, everywhere did. Um, but it's it's that long-term value of the property, how it's going to perform over that period of time, that is important. And that's that location selection as well. Absolutely. So, that's a wrap. Excellent. Well, very, very interesting information there. Um, hopefully everyone learned a lot out of that. Um, get in and buy when you can and sit on it and hold. But uh, buy the right type of property right, right in property, the right, right location. location. So anyway, we'll um, hopefully that's been good um, for everyone, and you've learned a little bit out of that. If you if you need help at all, just reach out to the team. We're we're free to talk to uh, at Streamline Property Buyers. We don't charge to talk. So if you if you're interested to have a chat, just um, look us up, have a chat to us, book in. We're always happy to chat to people. If you see us out and about, tap us on the shoulder and say hello uh, on a weekend when the team is out and about looking at properties and watching auctions for all our clients as well and education. So. I, as usual, I will let Melinda wrap it up. It's been great talking. Um, as I said at the start, from sunny Brisbane. Um, take care and until next week. Bye for now. Yes, thanks for joining us once again on the Brisbane Property Podcast. We hope you found this episode on the power of long-term uh, compounding capital growth um, you know, inspiring. And I hope that that has given you some ideas of what to look for when selecting an asset for that long-term compounding growth. Um, as always, if you've enjoyed this episode, please share with friends and family. Uh, also, we would love for you to leave us a review. It does help others to find the podcast and also to share the content that we produce every week. We look forward to speaking with you again soon. Until then, bye for now. Thanks for tuning in today. Please remember everything we have spoken about on this podcast is general in nature and we always recommend that you obtain independent advice in relation to your specific circumstances. If you liked today's episode, don't forget to subscribe or leave us a review on iTunes and of course, tell your friends about us. If you would like to get in contact, please visit www.brisbanepropertypodcast.com.au or email us at info at brisbanepropertypodcast.com.au. Feel free to send in any questions and we will try to answer them in future episodes.